Okay. Well, I love this topic of purpose. I love talking about purpose. I love studying purpose. Um, I'm excited to look at this together today. So today we're going to look at purpose in a very general sense, just to understand biblically what is purpose. We're going to look at our individual purpose as, as people who follow God. We're going to look at our purpose together corporately as a church. And we're going to talk a, a little bit at the end about how we can more achieve and attain our purpose specifically connected to the fast and the prayer that we've been going through and how that helps us in regards to purpose. Okay, so you can go ahead and put the first slide up, guys. Um, as we referred to um, the past couple weeks, we just put these different points down as we planned for 2019, as Paul and I and the, and the team that leads here, as we've talked about what does 2019 hold, what are the things that God has for us, and, and these are, um, I guess, what you could call in a way like our promised land the things that we feel God has promised to us, um, and uh, we, we believe are, these things are God's will for us as a church. Each one of these things is biblical. If you look in Scripture, each one of these things you would find in Scripture, but we specifically feel for this season, for this year, that these are things that God would have for us um, to, to walk into. So the first one is that every member of Border City Church would give and receive life-giving discipleship. So discipleship simply just means that you're a follower of Jesus and that each one of us would be actively involved in becoming a better follower of Jesus and in helping others to become better followers of Jesus. The second one is that we would develop our present spheres of influence. So we already mentioned a minute ago that we work into Durfee Elementary Middle. We also work with a men's shelter here that some of the men in the church go into and help mentor the men there. And so we want to develop those areas. We want to go deeper into those places that God's already opened. We want our footprint to be more impressed upon those places. So we're praying and we're asking God to help us with that. Um, that would also apply to individuals, that we would develop the spheres of influence that we have as individuals where God has put us in the city. And then the third point is that we would break into new spheres of influence, that we would have new opportunities to, to influence people's lives with God's love and with his light and with his kingdom. The fourth point is that we would see demonstrations of power and glory. God wants to show his spirit and his power through us. He wants to heal people. He wants people to be set free from fear. He wants to move by his spirit beyond what we're able to do. You know, I can't really help people in my own strength, but God can. And he wants to use me. He wants to demonstrate his power and his love through me in ways that are supernatural. So we're praying for that. We're praying for more of that. And then the last one up there is that we would see new followers of Jesus, which we believe if, if we can walk in those first four, that the result will be that there will be new people this year that we're able to see begin to follow Jesus. So these things that are, like I said, you could say it's kind of like a promised land, but these are things that God has purposed for us, and that's why we've called it purpose. Another word for purpose is a resolution. So in a way, you could say these are our New Year's resolutions or our intentions or our determinations. But how many of you know, if you've ever set a resolution, that just because you write it down doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? Just because you say, this is my New Year's resolution, it takes much more than that. It takes intention. It takes uh, something that in you that has to reach out for it and make plans for it. It has to be taken and seized and attained. And I just want to say that if God has brought you here to Border City Church, then this is for you. And it doesn't, you don't have to try to make it fit you. There is a place for you in it. And, and God wants to show each one of us what our purpose is in it and how we fit into what he's given us. So first, 
as we go deeper into that, I want to just look at what does purpose mean in a biblical sense. If you study it out in its most basic definition of what we're looking at today, purpose for our lives, purpose means, the next slide, um, what you were created for, the reason that you were created. That's what we mean when we talk about purpose, the reason, the reason I was created, the reason you were created. And I want to say, I just even want to speak over each one of us today, that you have a purpose. You have a God-given purpose. You do. Each one of us do. God is our creator. He has created each one of us, and he has designed each one of us for a reason and for a purpose. And I'm passionate about that. I, from the time I was a little kid, I have wanted to know what my purpose is, and I've wanted it more than anything, I think. And even as a teenager, I can remember being afraid that I would miss God's purpose for my life. And there was a mentor in my life, and she said, you want it so bad, I don't think there's any way you're going to miss it. If you just follow Jesus and love him and just do what he shows you to do one thing after the other, you're going to find your purpose. You're going to walk in it every day. And I begin to realize, I guess, around my early 20s that purpose is not something that all of a sudden we get to. It's something that we have today. And it unfolds as we take the steps to do what we know to do today. Your purpose is not in the future. Your purpose is today. And God wants you to know it and to walk in it. Genesis 1, verse 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He's our creator. He has designed us. Ecclesiastes 3, 11, I love this verse. It says, He has set eternity in the human heart. So God created us, and he put eternity in our hearts. To me, what that means is that every human on the face of this earth knows there's something bigger than me. There's something bigger than that I'm a part of, that I fit into in some way. And maybe people don't know how, but eternity is in our hearts. It's part of the design that our creator has worked into us. So you were created for eternity. You were created for more than just what you know on this earth and in this life. And the reason that we are on this earth is to impact eternity. We're here to impact things that happen on this earth, yes, and things that happen on this earth even after we're gone, yes. But we're here, and what we do now impacts eternity because our lives are bigger than what we see and what we know now. So what we're looking at today when we're talking about purpose, we're looking at it in the light of big-picture purpose, eternal purpose. And purpose is not just working hard so that you can get into a good school, so that you can get a good job and raise a family and make a lot of money and raise your kids so that they can get into a good school and get a good job, make a lot of money and have kids and raise them to get into a good school and make a lot of money. And purpose is so much more than that. And yes, God can use those things for his purpose, but can we break out of the molds that keep us in this rat race, this treadmill of what society says that we're here for and the measures that society has put over us. And let's break out of that into something bigger than that that says my life is not just about that. My life is about something eternal. And even if I'm called to, fill, you know, you fill in the blank. If you're called to be an attorney, if you're called to be a manager of people, whatever you're called to do and good at, God will use those things for his eternal purpose 
but that's so much more than who you are, those titles and those jobs. Um, so we're looking at the big picture purpose. Um, there's a verse that I just I want to read that I didn't have in my notes, but I thought of it this morning, and I wanted to include it from James 4, verse 13. It says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this city, we'll spend a year there, we'll do this or that, we'll carry on business, and we'll make money. Why? Why do you say that? Because you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. I don't want to boast in my arrogant plans. I don't want to make my own plans. I want to say, if it is the Lord's will, then I will do this or that. And I love making plans. I love putting things in place and dreaming. And that's all great. But I'm constantly holding those plans in an open hand before God and saying, God, are these your plans? Direct my plans. Inform my plans. Change my plans if they're not according to your will. Um, the past few months, I've been so in awe of my parents. My mom's in the nursery, but my dad over here and Mickey on the back row. These people don't want you to know how old they are, but they're all turning the same age this year. And <laughs> it's past the 60s. <laughs> and I'm just so in awe of these three individuals because over the past year, they have moved to downtown Detroit. From My parents were actually living in Africa. Mickey was living up in the suburbs. And these people, because of the call of God to come to the city and to be a part of what he's doing through this church, they have moved at this age in their life when most people are seeking comfort, when most people are wanting to get away from difficulty, when most people are wanting to build something soft for themselves, these people have come and they've placed themselves in the middle of downtown Detroit, where a lot of people in our nation would never even consider visiting downtown Detroit, never mind living downtown Detroit. And to me, they're such an example of saying, God, what is your will for my life? Because that's all I want. And if you talk to any one of them, they love it because it's God's will for them, and they've found such fulfillment and joy in it. We don't have to be afraid of the will of God for our lives. You don't have to be afraid that God's going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do, because he puts his desires on the inside of us. There was a couple visiting here last week. Maybe some of you met them, John and Cindy. They live up in Mount Pleasant, and they've been visiting us periodically because they're sensing that God may be calling them to Detroit and to be a part of this church. And so they're praying, and they're, they're not saying, God, you know, they're not, they're not just looking for jobs. They're saying, God, where do you want me? And then when they believe that they're determining that, uh, they'll look for the jobs, and they'll trust God to open those doors. And I think so often we, need, we get it backwards. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I've been guilty, too. But I think God wants to show us that he has a plan and that he'll work out those details if we just follow him and if we allow our plans to be informed with his plans. In a big-picture sense, why did God create us? You know, a lot of people have those big questions. I mean, even just a couple nights ago, my little boy, John David, he's downstairs with the kids. He was like, Mom, why did God even bother with all of this? Like, why did he create us, you know? And I've had those questions, too. Why did God create us? I want to just 
go quickly through a few verses that I think tell us in Scripture why God made us. The first one, I believe, is simply for love and relationship. And I believe that's at the heart, at the core of why. Genesis 3.8. We already read where it says God created man in his image, man and woman. Genesis 3.8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this tells us that they heard the sound of God walking and they were hiding, which tells us that they had been walking with God and not hiding before they sinned. What happened right before this verse is that they ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat and they were ashamed and so they were hiding from God. So before that moment, they had been walking with God. They had been hanging out with him in the garden, enjoying him. And that was the whole reason God created them, to be with them, to enjoy them in the garden. And this is supported, we see this idea is supported in the New Testament in John chapter 17, verse 3. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ who you have sent. The purpose of our lives is to know God, to know him. That really is the very center And that's not just some ethereal thought. That's the very center of my purpose, to know him. And anything that I do, any work that I do, needs to come from that, from knowing him, and to be fueled by knowing him. And then also in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second commandment is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So at the core of our purpose as humans, it's to know God, to love God, and then to love others. Love is, I think, the first purpose for us. The second purpose that we see in Scripture is that we were made for God's glory. He wants to show off through your life. Have you ever just looked at someone you admire and you're like, wow, that person? That's the glory of God through them, his splendor being showed through them. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We were made to show the glory of God. And then the third purpose that I see in scripture as to why, what is our purpose? We were made to work you go back and look in Genesis also, Genesis 2 verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So we were actually put on this earth to work. We'll look more at that in a minute. So in these three things, relationship or love, number two is for the glory of God, number three is to work. These are our, this is our purpose in a general sense, and then it looks different, specific, it, un, it unrolls itself in specific ways and in different ways for each one of us. For instance, in the area of relationship and love, we're to love God and love others. How is that going to manifest through my life specifically? What does that look like for me? You know, I think of Mickey again. I keep picking on you today, Mickey. Mickey loves people. He loves to help people. He's always serving people. He's always giving people rides. He's always giving people food. He's always bringing people gifts. He's always helping people. That's one of the ways that that works out in his life. That's one of the ways that he loves others. I think of Anna. Anna loves to 
have people in her home. She's hospitable. She loves to make meals for people. She loves to host people in her home. That's one of the ways that she shows love to others. Not everybody has that gift. It's unique to her. Number two, God's glory. How is that going to show through each one of our lives? I think even of the worship team who were up here earlier, they're showing God's glory. They're singing about God's glory. They're talking about the splendor of God, and they're helping us to have our minds on the glory of God. They're showing the glory of God. And they don't just do it when they're up here singing. If you know a lot of those individuals, they live that way. They, they go about their lives showing the glory of God. And then in the area of work, work is something we get to do. It's not something we have to do. God's made us for it. So what will your work look like? What are your assignments from God? I think about my mom, how from the age of a little, from the time she was a little girl, she wanted to go to Africa, and she didn't know how on earth that would ever happen. And she had to let go of that dream for many years, and then finally my parents began going there in 1980 and continue to go there. And through the years, through the doors that have opened to them, over the past five years specifically, through connections that they've made there and here, she's been able to be a part of seeing a home built for women who are victims of sexual violence. That's work that she's done for the glory of God. So what work and what assignments does God have for you? I think even of Michelle sitting here, who works downtown in the city, and some of you know Michael Krecker, who works down at Campus One, Campus Marshes One. He's an attorney in the city. They go to work every day. They do a job, but God has them there for a reason. He wants to show his love through them. He wants to show his light through them. They're representatives of God when they go to work, and each one of us are as we go about our work, no matter where. Each one of us can have an excellent spirit like Daniel. You know, Scripture talks about how Daniel had an excellent spirit, and Caleb in Scripture, he had a different spirit. And to me, what that means is that they were, they were just something special about them as they did their work. There was something different about them that people took note of. Daniel, it gave him favor with the king, and he was given special jobs and special instructions. And then Caleb, because he had a different spirit, he was able to be a leader and to take people into God's purposes. So the differences that God's given you, the uniqueness that God has given you, and even just by the fact that you know God and he's living on the inside of you, will cause there to be something different about you as you go about your work even the day-to-day -day stuff that you do, the things that you have to work on at your desk, the calls that you have to make, the, the dealings with people, there's something different about you, and God will use that for his purposes. So still, that still might be kind of broad, and in the sense of wanting to really understand what is my purpose, what am I here for, how do we, how do we get those specific answers? I love this verse from Psalm 139, verse 13. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I hope that each one of you believe that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God didn't just create the outside of you. It says you knit my inmost being. He made the inside of you. Very specifically. And I believe he wants you to know specific purpose. When God created you, he put purpose inside you in seed form. And we 
with God, steward that and grow that, to allow that to grow up out of our lives into something big. He wants it to be big from each one of us. And I'm not talking about what you think others think you're supposed to do. Maybe what your parents said you were supposed to do or somebody else said that you should do. Not what society tells you that you need to do. I'm asking you, on the inside of you, what do you know your purpose to be? What does it always come back to for you? What's it always about for you? What burns in your heart? What keeps you awake at night? What do you find yourself praying for? You know, you start praying for this, and then you end up praying for this. Because it just is on your heart all the time and in your mind. What are you passionate about? What gets your emotions worked up? Even sometimes what makes you angry. And I don't mean like just getting ticked off at somebody, but like what are you passionate about? What injustices or what wrongs are you passionate about making right? Those are the things that are your unique purpose that God has put inside of you when he made you. For me, as a child, I was always fascinated with the nations. My favorite subject in school was social studies. I just wanted to know about different cultures and the way that people lived. I loved to travel, and I was always so committed to the local church. I loved church, and I loved this concept that God had a purpose for us as his people, and I loved to be a part of that as a kid. And now if you look at my life as an adult, we travel the nations, we help churches get started, but it started as desires in me from the time I was a little kid. And it, it's not something I made happen. As I said earlier, it started purposes every day as I just simply obeyed what God said, little step after little step, and I was faithful to what he put in front of me. And I passed the tests, some of the tests I failed, but I, I was consistently allowing him to test me and train me. I was willing to take risk and put things on the line. And today, I wouldn't want to be doing any other thing. Even though sometimes it's hard, there's nothing in the world I'd rather do than what we do. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. I mean that with all my heart than where I am now and what I'm doing now. And that's so freeing if we know that we get to do what we want to do. Hear that in the right, tech, in the right context. If I'm following God and allowing him to process me and take me into the things he has for me. It's not something I don't want to do. It's what I do want to do. You know, I remember about 10 years ago when it, these catchphrases starting, started rolling around, do what you love and love your work. And it was almost like this new thought. People were like, oh, I can love my job. I can love my work. And I think generations that have gone before, nothing wrong with them, but they maybe had a different uh, mindset about work. It was like you only had these options and you had to work these jobs and it doesn't matter if you like your job or not. You just have to do a job, and you get the job done. And, but today, all that thinking has changed, and I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful that we're wanting to help people find what they love and explore the avenues because I firmly believe we should love what we do. We should be passionate about the work, and it's because there's purpose connected with it. We need to know our purpose, and we need to love the work that we do. It's a sign that what God created you for is being tapped when you love your work. It's a sign that there's something divine there that is being tapped, that God created you for that reason. You remember that movie, Chariots of Fire? It was based on the 1924 Olympics, and Eric Little, he was a runner for Great Britain, 
and he was a Christian, and he was a missionary, and he was quoted as saying, when I run, I feel God's presence. I feel his pleasure, sorry. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. And I think that's what we all should feel in connection to our work, in connection to our purpose, that whatever it is, even if it's a mundane thing, as a mom or, you know, some mundane part of your job or serving others or whatever it is, that when you do it, you feel God's pleasure because you know I was made for this. I'm, I'm, I found my slot. I found where I fit into the picture. So hopefully some of these things we're talking about has stirred a little bit of purpose and, and awakened a little bit of desire for more purpose for each one of us. And, and I want to say that if any of you are struggling today to, to have that sense of purpose, I would love to pray with you before we leave today. Feel free to talk to me about that. But with that purpose in mind, I want to look at this verse on this slide, Philippians 3.12. Again, one of my favorite verses. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And I like to do this little illustration when I read this verse. So Paul, will you come up here? I'm going to ask Paul to be Jesus. And so this verse says that Jesus took hold of my life, right? And if we've put our faith in Jesus and said that we would follow him, Jesus has taken hold of each one of our lives. But this verse says, I haven't already achieved all my goals, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. He took hold of me, and there's a reason he did. So I'm going to press on for that. So this book that Paul's holding might represent the plans and the purposes that God has for my life. I need to grab hold of them. There's a reason he took hold of me. I want to grab hold. I want to grab hold of those things. I want to reach for those things. He's wanting to give them to me. He's saying, these are my good plans for you. These are the purposes I have for you. It's all about love. It's all about my glory. The work I have for you to do is stuff you're going to love. He's wanting to give it to me, but I got to take it, and I got to make space for it in my life. I want to ask you to put that first slide up again, please. God plants our lives into the context of community, each of us individuals with our own unique purposes and identity. He puts us in the context of community, and he calls us to live our lives out in that context. We're better together. Our gifts function together. I can't do it all by myself, and neither can you. It's when our gifts come together that we're able to achieve these, these points that we have up here. And unless each one of us finds our place, then there's going to be something m missing. And that's why it's so important that we plant ourselves in community and in local church. It's God's way. It's the way that he wants to work out his purpose in us. It's not easy. It takes commitment. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes instead of going like this, we go like this, and we got to try again. You know, like when they're trying to dock something, they kind of miss, and then they have to try again. And they Finally, you connect. And it takes commitment to walk those things out, but it's worth it because we want to see God's purposes committed. That phrase, bloom where you're planted. Don't shut don't uh, short-circuit that process. Stay planted and allow God to, to bloom you where you're planted. So our purpose looks like this, 
but the way it's worked out might look different for each one of us. So that first point, every member of Border City giving and receiving life, giving discipleship. Find where you fit into that. Plug in somewhere. Who is speaking into your development? And how are you helping others to follow Christ better? And who are you helping to follow Christ better? Get very specific. And it might be someone who's not a part of church yet. It might be someone who doesn't even believe in Jesus yet. But you have them on your heart. Who are you going to help to become a better follower of Jesus? That second one, to develop our present spheres of influence. We're involved at Durfee and DRMM. Is there a way that you can be involved? Can you help us with the hygiene kits? Can you pray for the, for the people when we go tutor? Can you pray for the guys who go in and mentor the, the men? And also in your personal areas of influence, how can you develop those? The, pap- the people you're already touching, how can you take that deeper this year? Are you praying about that? Are you asking God to develop those personal areas of influence and take those deeper, take those relationships to the next level? The third point, breaking into new spheres of influence. Where does your personal influence need to extend this year? What new doors can you knock on? Where do you have influence that others don't? Maybe there's a committee you could join. Maybe there's a club you could be a part of to explore where, how can I connect to new people? How can I meet more people? How can, I, how can I extend myself and extend what God has put inside me? And then the fourth one, demonstrations of power and glory. Don't let that one scare you off. It's going to involve you and me taking risk. It's going to take being trained from Scripture to know what does that mean and being mentored in it. It's going to take prayer, asking God to put those opportunities in my path and to make me hungry for it, to give me the desire. And it's even going to take me being curious rather than indifferent that I wouldn't just dismiss it and say, oh, that's not for me, but that I would be curious and want to know what does God have for me in that. And then the last point, new followers of Jesus. How is my life, how is your life this year going to actively be involved in making new followers of Jesus? Think about that. If we do those first four, as I said earlier, I think this will be a reality. But it's my heart's desire, and I want it to be even more of my desire as I pray. We had a pastor in South Africa, friend, who used to say, for something to be dynamic, it must be specific. And that word dynamic just means for something to progress or for something to change or for something to have new activity, then it must be specific. We're going to have to get specific about what we're asking God for and what we want to see happen through our lives. Otherwise, it won't change. For something to be dynamic and have movement, then it must be specific. We've got to get specific about these things that we want to see happen. So that's why I was saying, how's it affecting you? How's it going to impact your life? How's it going to impact my life? And as we are fasting this month on the Wednesdays, there's purpose in that, even related to these things. Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, like we were singing earlier. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we pray, give us today our daily bread. 
So Jesus was saying, don't babble on with your prayers. God already knows what you need. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. That is part of how he taught us to pray. But he's saying, first, pray your kingdom come. Your will be done for my life and through my life. And then if I allow my prayers to pass through that sieve first, I can be more confident that what I'm praying is his will. I don't want to just pray what I want. I want to pray what he wants. And I think so much of this fast right now is about us aligning our hearts with God's purpose. Make that your purpose, God's purpose. That's my purpose, is God's purpose. And then in Matthew 9, 14, Jesus taught us a little bit about fasting. In Matthew 9, 14, it says that John's disciples came to him and asked, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. So Jesus was saying, right now I'm here on earth with my disciples, but Jesus knew he was going to go to heaven, and he was saying, then they'll fast. Then they'll fast for my will to be done through them. And that's what we're doing. We're fasting. Jesus is not here on earth with us. He's inside of us. But he's in heaven at the right hand of God, and we are fasting for his will to come, for his purpose to come, like Paul was talking about when he got up here earlier during worship, and he said, Jesus started his work in his ministry, and we continue it. It's the same work, the same ministry. So when we're fasting, we're consecrating ourselves, and we're aligning ourselves to heaven. We're saying, Jesus, you're there, but you left us here. And we're aligning ourselves with your ministry, with your work. That's what's happening when we fast and we pray. Our friend David Swart, pastors 614 Church in Columbus, Ohio. Some of you met him when they came up here for our launch. And they've been fasting as a church. And he posted this on social media. I thought it was so good, so I just want to read it real quick. He says, fasting does not earn you points with God. Fasting does not get you a step closer to God. Fasting does not make you more righteous, more sinless, more perfect, more ideal, more of a Christian. Nope, none of those. In my opinion, fasting gets you focused. Fasting, including prayer, gets you to be less fixated on material things and more fixated on spiritual things because you realize how self-reliant we can feel when we're well-fed. The minute you take that away, you realize your need. You realize your absolute need for food to survive. A fast was called often in the Bible when a group of people needed to call on God in prayer. When they realized their need for God, when they realized their sin, when they realized how much they had strayed, we don't do this anymore these days. We tell people not to get legalistic. We say God loves you, and then we try to cover up our sin. Anyway, if you haven't fasted and you're on the fence, I encourage you to try it. I encourage you to call on God this week with us. Whether you do one meal, two meals, or a three-meal fast, whether you do a water-only fast, or a juice-only fast, or a vegetable-only fast, or even just a no-social-media fast, do it. Something that makes you realize how much you need God, how much you want Him to move in your life and through your life. When you want to get to a point of complete surrender to Him, and you just haven't seen the breakthrough yet, perhaps a fast helps you to hear Him more helps you to see his leading more, helps you to recognize his presence more. I want to read that last part again. When you want to get to a place of complete surrender to him and you just haven't seen that breakthrough yet, can you identify with that? 
perhaps a fast helps you to hear him more, helps you to see his leading more, helps you to recognize his presence more. So that's why we fast. And as we fast, I know that we are growing in consecration and in aligning ourselves with heaven. Remember when Chanel was here a few months ago, our friend Chanel from South Africa, and she spoke and she felt like God had given her a prophetic picture of a sword. Do you remember that? And I am closing here. I'm finishing up. But she said God had given her a picture of a sword that God wanted to hand us as a church. And that sword had two edges. And one edge was love. And she said as you go into places in the city and you love people, you're going to have a sword that cuts through darkness and that cuts through fear. But the other side of that sword was authority. And she said God wants to give you authority. And the way that you gain authority in God's kingdom is not by trying to rule the way you gain authority is by allowing God to take down your own giants. Because if I allow fear to fall in my life, if I allow pain to fall in my life, if I allow sin and bad habits to fall in my life, then I have authority to help others in those same areas. So the sword that we hold is love and authority. And I know that as we fast, that we're gaining in our ability to hold that sword. Just put that previous uh, slide up, please, one more time. Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained or have already arrived, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. As you fast, as we fast, these things that Jesus wants to hand to us, what is in the way of us grabbing hold of these things? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Not believing what God has said? Is it unbelief? Is it myself, like Rodney spoke about last week? Maybe my bad attitudes or my laziness or bad habits? Is it sin in my life? Is it insecurities that I have that are in the way that I need to get out of the way so I can grab hold of the purpose that God has for me? And I know that God has purpose for each one of us. And it's, it's not about whether you are worthy of walking in that purpose or whether you're good at it. He has purpose for each one of us, and we can grab hold of it, and we can walk in it today. And I'm so excited that God is identifying more specifically for us what we're going to walk in as a church. And I just want to encourage each one of us that we all have a place in that, and we can find our place in it boldly and with strength, and we need you. We need each one to find their place. Yeah.